We have a myriad of others. I just got you as representatives that actually help in so many, many ways. Just take care of stuff. Take care of the poor. Take care of the weak. Fill in. Chuck, thank you for what you do. I can name the next 10 other names after Chuck Edmund, but you guys are always here. Bob Evans, God bless you for all the work you're doing in all these ways. And a whole bunch of you, I mean, just in every way, helping Peggy, helping in warehouse, helping in administration, whatever, doing errands, filling in for people, helping us with our Celebrate Recovery groups. Thank you so much. By God's hand, back at you. Amen. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk today about taking refuge in the Lord. And I want to use uh, one of my favorite psalms for this. Uh, it's just so wonderful. And um, it was written by David. And uh, it's so interesting because David actually... Uh, and either I have this wrong or the NIV has it wrong but it says in my Bible this psalm was written when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech who drove him away and he left well I don't think it was Abimelech unless uh, a, this guy named Achish is a synonym for Abimelech but uh, Achish is the one that's in my NIV Bible so in other words when he was on the run and Saul was chasing him down he goes to this pagan king. Well, it was actually one of their horrible, blood-sucking enemies, right? The Canaanites, the you know Philistines, and uh, so he goes there to try to get some refuge, and uh, and just as the guy's supposed to kind of open, he's okay, maybe, maybe, because David had been like warring against these people, killing all their people and stuff in the name of the Lord. Now David wants to have refuge underneath them, right? And so. This, this uh, couple of the generals like, hey, this guy's been causing us a lot of problems. Why are you going to take him in for it? So David starts acting like he's insane. Well, he's <laughs> hoping to have some pity, <laughs> right? And, and so it says here, of David, when he pretended to be in, insane, all right? <laughs> so he tried to be insane, you know, like think, because he was afraid that now he's going to go, but they're going to kill him, because like they, this, this one of the commanders is reminding this king that look, this guy's been causing a lot of trouble, right? So David suddenly goes nuts. So not only does he have Saul chase him, he has to be nuts in front of this other people just to hope that nobody kills him, that takes pity on him. And so sure enough, the guy says, "Away with you," right? So this was like this psalm and the psalms. Many of the psalms are written with people in big trouble, big trouble. And, and so this is one of them, right? And, uh, and then, of course, he gets on the other side of it, of all of this mess, right? And so he writes this, this, but he wrote this psalm even in the midst of this whole trauma and terrible time when he's wandering, he's being chased by his own king, the Philistines don't want him, you know, all kinds of troubles happening, eventually joins the Philistines and he's fighting over here, there, and pretty soon... Over a long period of time, uh, King Saul dies, and then they bring him to Jerusalem and institute him as king. And uh, I just want to say this is a little spontaneous, but I've noticed this. Uh, and this is really, really important. This is a tip of, uh, of life. Sometimes before our biggest promotion, and I would say it happens more than sometimes. It happens a lot. Before you're about to be promoted or moving forward into a new territory or whatever, the enemy comes and attacks. And he tries to cut that advance off at the pass by making things so bad, you just give up, right? The only thing you can't do is give up. As long as you have breath on your lips and a prayer on your lips in the name of Jesus, anything's possible. But giving up is not one of those things you want to do. And sometimes even when we give up, God 
swoops down and gives us a person to help us and, and uh, to restore us, to get us back. All thing works with our faith, you know. And so when we say taking refuge in the Lord, we're talking about uh, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. We're, we're talking about getting on the other side of a traumatic situation where you're uh, having difficulty and you're having to believe your way through it. I don't suppose there's anybody that's having trouble and needs to take refuge or anything in here, but this might be for the one or two of you that actually um, this applies to, right? <laughs> so I know a lot better than that, all right? So I, I love this beautiful psalm. And so, interestingly enough, it's the Psalm of David, and it says in my Bible, and he pretended to be insane. So he writes this as he's having to leave this guy because because uh, the guy, you know, one of the generals says, why do we want this maniac here? Isn't this the guy that was born against us? Why do we, now that he's insane, why do we need him? So David wrote this Psalm right on the heels of that, right? Look what he says. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I don't know, pretty low there. I'm not sure that my praise would be on my lips with the problems he had. No home, no place, bunch of outlaws roaming around the countryside. His own country didn't want him. Even the enemies didn't want him. He didn't even have, he didn't know where he fit anywhere. Surrounded by death everywhere. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Why would you hear and rejoice? Because he's telling us something. He's saying there's something better. There's so greater power. There's a way out of this mess, right? And there it is. I will extol the Lord at all times. In other words, I'll keep my heart worshiping. I'll keep my attitude toward God. I will always keep his praise on my lips. I will honor him despite the situation. Because one thing's for sure. If I do that, I'm, I am in good place. I'm connecting with God, right? So he said, no matter where I'm at, no matter who hates me or whatever, I'm still staying connected. I'm staying in there, right? That's why I love worship. It just helps me. It goes past like my intellect and it just goes right to my spirit. And I just love spending a lot of time doing that because sometimes when I can't figure out intellectually what I need to do, I just need worship to dial me in, to connect me, to help me feel the presence of the Lord again, right? And give me hope, really, give me hope. Glorify the Lord with me, he says. Let us exalt his name together. So that must have been what he, he spent a lot of time doing during these times. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Man, I'll tell you what. One of the greatest feelings in the whole world is you're panicking, you're fearing, the fears are multiplying like rabbits, and then the Lord comes, and he delivers you. You're not afraid anymore. Mm. I'm going to stop for a moment. I want to pray for some of you not to be afraid anymore. Did you know that space where you're panicking and fearing and you wake up with it in the morning, wake, go to sleep with it, can leave? I've experienced that. Now, I'm not saying that I successfully navigate all the fears all at once, but I generally get to the place where I'm on top of it instead of on the bottom of it. And if you would like the raw fear just broken off of you right now, why don't you stand up for a moment? Let's just ask the Lord to do that. I just want the raw fear, whatever your situation you know, the, that it just keeps coming and coming and coming. I want to slam that door shut, right? Whatever it is you're afraid of today, whatever enemy's hounding you, whatever thing, it might be a sickness, it might be a family situation, and, 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 and your fear, one of the main things you're battling is just being afraid. Okay, so I have about maybe 20% of you, the other 80% are lying. 
or a good part of you. No, that's not true. I don't want everybody to be afraid. That would be horrible. Somebody's got to stay brave with you. <laughs> oh, now we got 50%. Okay, that's about right. All right. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray as we seek you today, we, we might have even had a hard time just even getting here because we were so afraid. Maybe not terrified, but just afraid and don't understand why this thing hasn't turned out like it should. So, Lord, we seek you. We ask that you would answer us and that you would deliver us from the fear and you would deliver us from the situation. Sometimes I don't know what's worse, the fear, the terror on the inside, the dis-ease on the inside, or the thing itself. So, Lord, I just ask you right now that you would answer. I pray, Lord, you would give us a sign, something that lets us know you're with us and that we're going to be okay, whether it's financially, whether it's our health, whether... I, I tell you, that's when I'm on a faith journey with the Lord. I consider this a journey when I'm on a journey... Uh, in terms of getting healing or getting a breakthrough. And so one thing I do on my journey is I'm walking down, like I'm walking on a path, I'm always looking for the signs of it getting better. I look over there, I look over here, and when something comes, sometimes the Lord will send signs that He's on your side that's getting better. So Lord, I want to ask you that you would send signs. So we want the whole thing taken care of all at once, but sometimes He just sends you a sign, this is going to be okay, this is going to be okay, this is going to be okay. You know, you get a little thing, just a little bit of good information. I pray for good news over you, that you're going to be okay. Good news, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, uh, you might want to look for those signs of good news, okay? And if they show up, just go, ah, that's it. And let that just go a long way for you, right? I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I, uh, I've loved that. I love that. So, um, verse, uh, look at 1B. Um, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Uh, that glory, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Worshiping in affliction is boasting before the, in the Lord. Right? And I, I like that term, um, I says, I will glory in the Lord. But you could say, I will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. I, I don't know about you, but when I'm afflicted, I don't necessarily feel like I'm uh, boasting or feel very boasting, <laughs> right? I don't feel very glorious. But Dave understood. I, he, right, writing these psalms out of places of great trouble and trial, he said, you know, I'm going to glory in the Lord. Anyway, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Together, that's why one reason why worship is so powerful. It's just glorying in the Lord despite your circumstances. And it does a supernatural thing in the heavens. I'm not sure how it all works. I just know it works. It creeps the enemy at bay. It changes circumstances. It gets heaven's attention. But more important, I think it builds your faith to deal and not to deal with all the depression. There's nothing like depression and fear to make you make very bad choices and stupid responses. So if nothing else, rejoicing in the Lord for me builds my confidence and my courage, right? And I boast in the Lord in that sense, meaning I'm putting all my energy and time into Him. Praising, praying, and giving thanks in all circumstances are God's will for us and pave the way for deliverance. They pave the way for deliverance from evil. And I like this passage, especially 1 Thessalonians. Oh, man, it's just one of the very best about this whole thing. 1 Thessalonians uh, uh, 5, 16, and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. So here's an interesting thing. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So a lot of things that we're dealing with is we're wondering what God's will is. 
Do I do this or I do that, right? And it's driving us crazy. Do I move? Do I change? Do I change jobs? Do I... But actually, a higher thing than that is rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He knows full well he's going to take care of the rest, but actually, until you get that done, this is what you do, right? <laughs> you give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, you're actually helping the situation. And you think, well, well, how could I be helping this situation? This seems ridiculous. Yes, it does, but that's what faith does. It sort of waves the victory flag in the middle of great defeat, but God gets glory through that. Your faith gets built up. By, by the way, your faith is how you do business with the Lord. And I don't, I'm sorry sometimes. No, I'm not sorry because I know God has a way in it, but sometimes I'm sorry. I kind of go, oh, my gosh, did you have to design it that way? I mean... Here's the most dangerous passage in the Scripture, like one of the ones, one of the top five. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, why do you have faith? I mean, why do you need faith? It's impossible to please God. Why do you have bad circumstances then? Because then you have to have faith, and then you please God. Whoa! Now, you don't have to do that, evidently, in heaven, but until that time, right? So this is op not only is your affliction an opportunity for a breakthrough, but it's an opportunity to please God. Because it glorifies God that you're worshiping, you're continuing on, you're walking with God even in the midst of trouble. And I tell you what, um, we have some of the most wonderful people in our church that I've watched wage war by their worship uh, beyond anything I ever thought uh, a person could do. And you know, uh, not only do they get a star in heaven, but they're doing remarkable injury to darkness doing that. Because once they get on the other side, they're ferocious. They're ferocious even while they're in the middle of it, worshiping despite the situation. Look at this, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is near. I love this so much. Know that the Lord is near. So this shouting before the Lord just is, is, is so incredible. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So when we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and give him this, we're on the right side of this. And I'll tell you what, if I have a struggle, I just want to be on the right side of it. I want to be doing something that's improving the situation, Right? Right? So what I, I'm doing with this is I'm, I'm not only helping myself emotionally, but I'm, I put in my trust in the Lord. And, and faithfulness and trust never goes unrewarded. As a matter of fact, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But why do you exercise faith? That's one of the most dangerous passages in the whole Bible. <laughs> without faith, it's impossible to please God. When do you need faith? When you're terrorized, when you're having the most trouble, right? But when you do that, it pleases God, right? And it also makes you useful. How does that make you useful? That means that once you get on the other side of something, you're uniquely equipped to help somebody else get on the other side of the situation. And let me just tell you, one of the most greatest tragedies in our, our lives is to watch someone give up in the middle of a tragedy and cave in. And guess what? The thing they're caving into isn't just the circumstances. Sometimes it's actually demonic power that has literally just come to, to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus as well as I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So sometimes we're the vote that's in the middle casting the vote to go the other way because God recognizes faith, so does the devil. And that's the important part of this, right? 
faith. And when your faith gets built up, then you learn step by step. And so you learn then not only how to exercise faith for the higher levels and the bigger problems that may be ahead, but you also learn to exercise faith for someone else. And it turns out sometimes your faith for someone else's situation is enough. Is enough. Sometimes your faith, believing in a person, praying for them. That's why we pray for one another that you may be healed. We may be fresh out of that faith, but somebody else may have something in the tank that God likes using the name of Jesus. That's why it's so effective to do it with ourselves, but also for us. So what happens is our trials then do us some good and make us useful for other people. Why God designs the whole thing like this and why he loves for his people to work in the supernatural realms, I'm not entirely sure. But I do know it's a great privilege. And we're going to find someday when we go to heaven how honorable, how amazing it was to participate with God in these places. For you that experienced loss and sorrow and death, you just actually got promoted in a sense to actually minister to other people who are in the same situations. And how many of us actually come to Jesus when everything's rosy and good? Most of us dragged into the kingdom. Most of us were drugged into the kingdom by problems or situations, right? Honest, that's the way it is. I wish it was better. I wish we could just kind of woo-woo. But we don't. Most of us get dragged in or just crawling in, you know. And then we get touched, and then we go help other people who are, who are crawling in. And that's the great beauty and the majesty. And guess who gets glorified in the end? Now, the thing is, when we gave up our rights, when we, we gave over our uh, authority to the devil from the very beginning in the Garden of Eve, a Garden of Eden ever since. So that, that's what started this mess. But God's going to finish this mess and is finishing this mess, and he does it through you and I. And I feel inspired by the Holy Spirit just to say something here at this point. So I, I like to use the word journey all the time faith journeys, because it helps me explain my situation. I'm on a trip to get well. I'm on a trip to, to receive something. I'm on my journey, right? I'm walking down this path, right? And so as you walk in the path, there's steep parts of the path. There's paths that are easier. There's, you know, dangerous parts of the thing. And, and so we're all navigating. And so what happens is we navigate from glory to glory, and we take these journeys. We don't like these journeys, Matter of fact, it gets worse if you're not willing to take the journey. But if you just start walking in faith a little bit with the Lord, the Lord will show you another way you can express your faith and another way you can express your faith. So many times when I'm in trouble, I say, Lord, what's left for me to do? What on my part could I do? How could I express faith? Is there something I need to do? Just show me and I'll do it, right? And uh, what it does is when you say that and make that deal and you mean it with the Lord, first of all, it calms you a little bit. And then also it doesn't treat your problems like a big blob but it treats like your problems like a process. Hey, I'm just in process. I'm on my way to the answer. Because the Bible says all things are working together for my good. So I might as well figure out what's working together for my good, and I might as well take this journey and see what God's doing in it. And also along the process, like I mentioned before, when you walk this way, you learn new things about the Lord. You learn new skills. And guess what happens? You become a faith journey master. <laughs> You begin to teach other people how to navigate their journey. That's how the strong help the weak. But how the weak get strong is they go through one of these journeys and then they become strong, right? So you don't want to forget that when you're weak and you don't want to forget it when you're strong. 
when you're strong, one of your jobs is to help the weak. And you're really qualified, really have some bullets in your belt when you go through a horrendous thing and are willing to use that experience and that testimony for other people. Sometimes I watch people go through circumstances and they just go, whew, you know, and that's the end of it. Don't do that. If you go through a horrible situation, go, okay, what am I going to do? i got to get somebody else out of jail here. i got to help them. And the way you help them is you help them help themselves. And the way you help that is you help them with their faith, with encouragement. It's amazing what a word of encouragement or a testimony can do for somebody, right? So uh, look at, let's look at these uh, verses here. Psalm 34. I love this psalm so much. Let's start with verse 4. I'm on number two there. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. I saw a little radiance in the room when we started doing that. Their faces are never covered with shame. I like that part. Your face does never need to be covered with shame. You may have difficulty, but what's worse than a trouble is for you to be shamed by it. Just ashamed. So here's the favorite trick of the enemy. You're in this situation because you deserved it because you're a scum, because you're no good. You deserve this. You deserve to be in this situation. If you would have done this and this and this, you wouldn't be in that situation. I don't suppose anybody else hears those voices. But my Bible says, just in case you might hear one of those voices, (laughs) my face is radiant. Listen, I'm not going to take that. Even if I made a mistake. Sorry, God, I already fixed that. Don't pin that shame on me. I'm headed toward radiance, right? This poor man called, and the Lord answered and heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. How, how many problems would that be? One or two? We always somehow think that maybe our problem is unique, that nothing could get us out. Nobody experiences what we do, <laughs> right? That this is one trouble that can't be fixed. No. That's why he goes out of his way to say all his troubles. I'm glad he didn't say 75%. I'm glad that he didn't say just those that just, you know, kind of are working, you know, pretty perfect and kind of have their mouth. You know, we think sometimes to get out of our troubles that we have to have our act together, you know. Just look at Fred over there, man. He had his act together, believed God. You know, faith's a little bumpy. If you spend enough time with people who are in trouble, some days they're up, some days they're not. If you catch them on a good day, they got faith. Catch them on a bad day, they might not be so radiant, right? But generally, they're headed in the right direction. This poor man called, the Lord heard him, he saved him out of, eventually, you know, all. I like the word all. Can we all just say it? All. He didn't say that very loud. All. I know you can always think of one that maybe slipped through the crack, blah, 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 blah. If you don't find it in this life, which you often can, you'll find it in eternity. You'll find out what really happened. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Whoa. So all i got to do is fear God, and the angel of the Lord camps around me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. So you're on the way to lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And by the way, You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what is a good thing in the Lord. 
a good thing for you, if you've been walking with the Lord 10 minutes, it's generally a pretty good thing for, a good thing for you is pretty, a good thing for the Lord, right? You may be off a little bit. Maybe if you're off, right, unless you just totally are on the dark side, which most of us aren't, you may be just moving from good to better. <laughs> I'm convinced we only move from good to better. So if what we think is great for us doesn't happen right away, then God's doing better, doing more, not less. I, I like to say more, not less. Hey, I just like to say it. More, not less. Why don't you say that with me? More, not less. Do you really believe it? More, not less. I want more, not less. Yeah, I like that. I like to talk to myself. I'll stop right there at verse 10. I really like these verses. The Hebrew word for called is rarely a random outcry. It usually refers to a specific message to a specific recipient for a specific purpose, right? This poor man called. Now, can I just underline that a little bit? Because sometimes when you get deep enough in a problem, you just call. And it's sort of like moaning, you know? You can't even talk. You're just moaning. I think God could hear a moan. But what he's trying to say here is, look, say exactly it is what you need. What is it you would like to see happen here, specifically? Specifically, specific as possible helps your faith. It also helps you get on the right side of this, right? So it's more than a random outcry like, help, 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 I'm drowning. You know, it's like, hey, throw me that lifesaver over there. I got to get out of here, (laughs) that sort of thing. It usually refers to a specific message, to a specific recipient for a specific purpose. I like that. Fearing the Lord means turning to the Lord to take refuge from our problems. What we say is incredibly important. Our words and faith activate angelic activity for our benefit. The angel of the Lord, it says in verse 7, encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I I really believe that this encamping around us, uh, I I think it activates heavenly things. Not only the Holy Spirit, but angelic activity. And so we see some interesting stories in the Old Testament, a couple of them where we see that actually the prayers of Daniel being actually connected to the angelic happen, uh, activity that's happening in the heavens. His, his prayer life and what he's doing on earth is affecting their ability to do whatever they're doing. So I think that's pretty interesting even in itself. Look at Psalm 91, 9 to 16. I love these psalms. I live off these psalms. <laughs> you know why these psalms are so great? Because, you know, a number of them were written, you know, by David, but mostly by people in trouble. These psalms are like artistic expressions of, like emotional expressions. You can identify at the gut level, like, I'm in trouble. This is the way I feel. This is what I like to have, right? And it's really cool. And it's like poetry, but, but, it, but it hits right down. You know, you might have a whole theological expression of this and this and the generality of what Christ bought for us. But then, the, then it gets real nitty-gritty in these psalms, right? Where the, and many of them were written in times of desperation. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Wow. So you chose Jesus. You just got into the shelter. You choose His church. You're even more in His shelter because you're with a whole bunch of people who have covering and can help you and remind you of these things. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Sometimes that's easy to say and sometimes it's harder. But I want to just uh, skip... uh, here to, uh, let me see, where am I? I lost my place. I want to skip from Psalm 91. Wow. 
Did I get ahead of my notes? No, I'm there. Okay, I want to go to nine, verse 9. Let me just read verse 9 here. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. What? Okay, like, there's talking here, but it's not an angel talking. Who's talking? Anybody miss that? Who's talking? It's not a trick question. If you, 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 right? If you say the Lord is my refuge, you, me, human being, I say it, and make the most high your dwelling. Those two are connected. Sometimes the Lord is my refuge is how you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No harm will overtake you. What an incredible word this is. I love these verses so much. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Man, I could just read these passages. That's a good enough sermon right there. You will tread on the lion on the cobra. Dangerous situations. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. I mean, not more dangerous situations. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Just another way of talking about prayer. He acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So the Lord just likes this whole deal, and I'm not sure why exactly, but he likes the whole calling out thing. We call that prayer, but he likes it. And if he likes it and it's connected to my trouble, then I need to stop complaining and start calling out and be crazy about it. You might even throw a little fasting in it if it's getting desperate enough. All of that is just, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will deliver him and honor him and so on and so forth. Long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So there's some sort of thing. I'm not sure exactly why or how this works out, but it's this amazing a sort of divine uh, partnership between us and God, and prayer is right in the middle of it. And then we see some inklings of this because it's working on a supernatural plane. And so we, I mentioned Daniel a minute ago, and I just want to read from uh, uh, Daniel for a moment. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, and uh, I want to read verses 1 to 3 and 12 to 14. And when you, when I, as I read this, you're going to get sort of a, a sense of of how this whole plan works out, right? And how it's connected. And it's still kind of murky, but it's pretty interesting. I don't know. I've always thought this. So look at Daniel chapter 10, 1 to 3. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. To, I don't know if I said that right. To its message was true, and it concerned a great war. So he's getting a revelation of something horrible that's about to happen. The understanding of the vision came to him in a vision. Now, so... All right, so he's saying, bad news ahead, bad news ahead, bad news ahead. So what do you do with bad news? Well, look what he says. Look what it says next. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. In other words, he fasted. I ate no choice, choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three works, weeks were over. Now, wh- why is he doing that? I mean, okay, you got bad news, and like, oh my gosh, this is a vision and everything, and I'm, I'm seeing this this uh, a great thing, that's, uh, a great war that's going to happen. Okay, like even us, a great war is going to happen. Ukraine or whatever, or the Soviet Union or whatever it is. So we think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I have no power in this. Right? Do you feel like that sometimes? 
And if you don't feel power, uh, empowered, the news will make sure you feel totally without power because somehow we get this symbiosis of bad news in the news and it sort of becomes this habit and we sort of start eating that stuff. It's really not that good of food, but we eat it. You know, the news, we just eat it. More bad news. I want more bad news. Oh, that's bad. Oh, that's really bad. Mm. Either we're severely bored or deceived or whatever. I don't know why we do that. I do. I can do that too. And, and you know what? And then somehow we think that like our worry and our knowledge of the situation is going to improve everything. Everything will be just fine if I worry enough about it and I know enough. I just got to know enough. Did you hear? Did you hear? You know, if I get more of the gritty details, I'm going to be more powerful. Really? Well, you're not the president, you're not the Congress, you're not a general, you're not whatever, you don't have your finger on the button. What are you going to do? Well, that's a very good question. And the answer is, you get out your spiritual warfare, you join God's Air Force, and you begin to do something about it, right? And this is really a, a, a message for our time. So he responds to this incredible thing that's about to happen, right, this war that's coming. And you know what he does? He starts fasting and praying like he could make a difference. Now, Daniel was a man of God, a great man of God. I'm not taking anything away from Daniel, but on this side of the res that side of the resurrection, I don't think like, wow, we got lots of Daniels now. And we could actually do this together because we are, our sins covered with not just the blood of animals, but the blood of Jesus Christ, and he's the one that actually challenges us to pray, right? So he's praying, he's interceding, and guess what? An angel shows up. And this angel says, do not be afraid, Daniel. Listen to this. This is the key thing. Since the first day that you set your mind to understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, is talking about angels now, a demonic angel, and now an angel from the good side, Michael, one of the most main uh, uh, angels in heaven. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Though I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So this angel is trying to get through to tell Daniel what's up and to give him the information. Well, he's just like a human being. I mean, he might be a great human being, but what's one man going to do? That's the question. Glad you asked that. Everybody asked. Glad you asked that. Why? Aren't you curious? Why? Why Daniel? Wow, because Daniel's Superman. But you know who Superman is? Superman is someone who's got their sin covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who Superman is. He has access to a throne of grace. Daniel had access, and I'm not demeaning him in any way, because his prayers were enough to cause angelic activity and them to appear right in front of him, right? But it's the same with us. Your prayers are not just worrywart things, hoping something will change. Your prayers make a difference. And the more you pray, the more you understand your inheritance, who you are, you, your prayers, our prayers, move angels around, right? And so it's absolutely the right instinct for us to pray. That's why I'm still dismayed a little bit about how we reacted to the last uh, National Day of Prayer. This place should have been packed from one end to the other. Think about it. I'm not only praying, but supposedly the whole church is praying. Why would I not be a part of that? Oh, my little prayer doesn't mean anything. Look, one man right here. This one guy named Daniel is moving angels around. Do you think that God just, like, forgot that little thing? 
There's no more Daniels around. Like in this side, you know, we don't have those guys anymore. Oh, we have them. And they're getting stronger all the time. Daniels that have revelation and Daniels that have intercessory power and intercessory might. And it's not just those that we see on TV, even Christian TV or whatever. It's this army of people like you and I that are going to make the difference. We just have to understand we have the artillery. We have to understand that we're loaded. We have to understand what we really have. Not only for the whole world, which is sometimes hard to pray about, but also for your situation, your life. Because this is a picture. From the first day you started praying, it took a while, but I got through. Meaning the answer's here. I want you to know. The answer's here. That God's got this thing. He's moving along, right? So that means there's a little persistence that's necessary, which the Bible also teaches, right? So going back to Psalm 34, God's eyes are on the righteous, and he listens to the cry of those who fear the Lord and show, and show mercy to others. So 34, 11 to 17. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and keep your lips from yelling, telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to his, their cry. Man, sometimes when things get delayed enough, you think you don't have any ammunition, nothing's working, God's not attentive, God left me. And that's a lie from hell that the enemy will try to use to, to do you in. And the reason why sometimes there's a delay is God's got you in training. As you get through one conflict after another conflict, you become more and more valuable to him. The reason why you become more and more valuable to him in the kingdom is you're practiced. No baseball player, no football player would start the regular season without practice. And the rookies are, are not as good as the veterans because they practice, because they've been in their game, because they've learned. And they learn by answers. Once you get one under the belt, there's another one and another one, and there's a momentum. And I use the answers from my past to give me a momentum for the future. I use that. I have to remember. I can't get amnesia. When I get amnesia, I, I'm out of practice. I have to keep rehearsing <laughs> what happened in the past so it can help me for the future and apply it to the future. It's like sometimes trouble comes and the devil comes or our experiences come, and what it happens is you can always tell a demonic activity when the slate of your heart gets cleared like an eraser and there's absolutely nothing that you can feel any more positive about your life or about the situation. You can hardly remember one good thing, one good promise, one good thing God's done for you, one way, and so your faith just goes down. And I don't understand why God put it together for the saints and their prayers and their faith to interact with God and change the earth. I don't understand that plan. Because if I were him, I'd have got signed up somebody else. Maybe some good angels or something, you know. Sometimes we don't do so well. But to us, but, but it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. TJ, I don't know why this has happened to you, but I assure you there's something on the other side of this because you have destiny. You have destiny and many things you have to fulfill. So we're going to have to fight with you until you get to the other side of this. And I know part of what that destiny is. I haven't talked to you much about it, but I know. I know and it has to do with your past and what you've been doing for all these years. I don't think God's ready just to drop all that experience and all the things you've had. You have a unique skill set that will bring down powers and principalities and authorities. So your day 
is coming. So we need to be interceding and holding your arms up, right? The eyes of the Lord are on you, TJ, and you, everyone. I can just name your name. And his eyes are attentive to their cry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's who his face is against. That's what the enemy lies to us. I think he's against us now. He doesn't like me anymore. I used to get answers all the time, and I think he liked me kind of then, but now he doesn't like me anymore. No, that's not it at all. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from, uh, uh, let's go here. Uh, we can read that. What does that say there? Delivers them from uh, one, two, seven, eight. Surely nine's too many. It's getting up there a little bit. If we're talking about nine, it's getting a little braggadocious. We're getting a little bit, you know. So, come on, don't brag, you know. No, all, all their problems, troubles. So we shouldn't stop till all our troubles are delivered. We don't stop. We're energizing angels, for heaven's sake, by what we're saying. Not only cosmically for the nations, but also for our own life, right? And whoever's overseeing us is angels, or whatever the, the cosmic like thing looks like. I don't know. And here's a good thing about this. There's another good one. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Oh, my. My, my. All right. So... Um, I want to skip down here a little bit. There's some good stuff I said in there, and I like all that. But let's go right down to a C on the outline, all right? You can read the other stuff and uh, get some good stuff out of there. But I want to just go right to Luke here, uh, 3C on your outline there. So let's look at Luke chapter 6, verses 35 to 38. All right. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Whew. Man, I don't want to be kind to ungrateful. Some, uh, some people I don't want to be kind to. Okay, so maybe they're not in my backyard. Maybe I just know them from afar, right? But know what I'm talking about? Whoa. He's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Merciful, just as your be merciful, just as your heavenly father is merciful. So there's a little hard line to faith. You know, people are wicked. How do you handle that, right? And that's an important question for us. How do you show mercy and still don't like what they do and stand up for justice? So that's the place I think we find ourselves in, very much though, these days. And uh, I believe there is somewhere, if you, the thing is, you just got to stay connected to the head, and I'll show you, according to Ecclesiastes, the proper time and procedure for everything, a way to deal with that sort of, those sort of situations, right? But you just got to be walking with God. And uh, the most important thing is going back to Psalm 34, 17, uh, 18 and 19. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So that's down at the bottom line. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I like this so much. These, these things, like this, this little thing just like speaks for itself. You can just read it and it's a sermon, right? If you receive it. So could I just exhort you to receive these words and go over them and think about them? Psalm 34, 34 is one of the most strategic um, uh, sections of scripture for our time. I believe that, and for individual and for corporately. 
The Lord is close to the broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if you're crushed, if you're really having a hard time, guess what? The Lord's not far away. He's close. And sometimes when you're crushed and broken hearted, you feel like the Lord's far away. But that's a lie from the devil. Can I say to say that? That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from your flesh. Listen to me. If you're broken hearted, the Lord's close. If you're crushed in spirit, the Lord is close. Now you just got to choose to believe that or not. Because that's the time when you think he deserted you. That's the time when you don't think he's close. Right? When we're dis- disappointed. And sometimes we pray and pray for something and it doesn't come to pass. We get crushed. The worst part isn't the situation. It's the worst part is we just don't feel like it's being answered. We're not being heard, right? I don't suppose I'm talking to anybody that know what that means. But just in case, this is a good verse for you <laughs> and me every day, right? Because everybody strays into this territory. The Lord is not far away from the brokenhearted, not far away from those crushed in spirit. And I'm talking about even problems that you brought on yourself. I'm talking about just you got crushed by something or someone. You got fired. You got divorced. You got sick. Right? God has an automatic clause for you. He's close. Not far away. And part of the battle in terms of getting through a situation like that is believing that. And Scripture has another uncomfortable thing to say about all that. The righteous shall live by faith and Faith is like the evidence of things not quite seen yet. And I don't know why God put the kingdom together like this, but he loves faith. You accepted Jesus in faith, and you get through your problems in faith, and he just really likes faith. He likes it a lot. Sometimes I wish he'd like faith a little less than he does, but he does, right? Just let up. Can we just let up on the accelerator of the faith thing a little bit? And sometimes he does. Sometimes you don't care of any bit of faith. You're just walling around, and then he takes care of it anyway, right? So maybe it was somebody else's prayer, or maybe he just had grace, and, right? But I do know this works every time. The Lord's close to the broken heart. He saves those who crush the spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Could I just say that all, 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 all? Because somehow or another, the enemy talks to us and says, well, you don't know my situation. No, God knows all. You can't think up anything that hasn't happened before. You can't think of anything that he isn't covering. You can't think of anything he's not interested in. You think, well, maybe he just went on vacation. He's not interested. He's not doing that this month or this year. No, all. He delivers them from all, right? If it's important to you, it's important to him, all. He protects all his bones, not just his pinky, not just his knee, not just his kidney, not just his lungs, no, all, everything. Not one of them will be broken, Evil will slay the wicked. I really like that one. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. I love that passage so much. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Sometimes we feel ridiculous. We're taking refuge in him. You know, we feel silly. We feel like, wow, we even feel condemned. Like, maybe I didn't have enough faith. Here I am stepping, I'm trying, I'm going to church, but I don't feel anything. I feel lonely, I feel broke. I don't feel like I have one bit to offer. Well, listen, don't let that condemnation you talk you out of your miracle. It's nothing but raw condemnation. This unique combination is this. Here's how it goes. Ah, you should exercise more faith. You made the wrong decision about that. Now you're paying for it, buddy. Now you're paying for it. Does that sound a little condemning? Uh, you know, oh my gosh. Every creative way. The enemy of your soul is an expert creative condemner. 
He's like got it down, man. He knows every button to touch in you to make you feel bad about yourself, make you feel condemned. You know what I mean? So that's why I, I, I like this uh, rescuing me from all my, my troubles, right? And close to the brokenhearted, right? I, I love these verses, all of them. The Hebrew word for broken in Psalm 34, 18 literally means to break, break in pieces. It often appears in the context of, of violence. So it's close to those that have experienced violence. It didn't come out the way it should have. It's not right. Someone broke my little pottery, my little pot, and it shouldn't have been broken. It was a beautiful pot, and it was broken, and it shouldn't have been broken. It's just not right. Right? Well, the God didn't do it. And you're a part of the answer. That's what we're trying to say here, right? It often appears, actually, this word in a context of violence. And I love this Isaiah 57, 15 uh, oh, man, some of these verses are some of the very, very best. They're ones I feed on, especially when I'm feeling, and we're almost done here, but I just want to read a couple more here, right? This is like ammunition for you. For this is what the high and exalted one says. That would be the most high God, who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. I don't, I don't leave them out. I, I live in that space. Matter of fact, most of us come to God in that space. And most of the most powerful ministry that I've ever seen around here comes in this space. The lowly and contrite, the person. That's why I can count 6,000 miracles that have happened over the last 13 years under that tent. Because that's where all the contrite come. The desperate come. They're desperate enough to sit there and listen to us preach and get prayed for and receive food every week. Because they don't have enough money even for food. Wow. We found out there's a lot of broken, contrite people. And where there's broken and contrite people and with the homeless and stuff, we don't have to minister to the homeless. We get to. And you that work with the homeless, you should, like, look up because this is where the miracles are. This is where the amazing grace of God is. And it should encourage you as you see God deliver them like he does and wants to, right? And you get to be a part of that whole thing. That's part of the glory of dealing with the homeless or the broken. But then there's a downside, too. <laughs> Because they're all, because they're kind of ornery. And they don't believe these words like I'm saying so much. And they're just trying to survive. And you know how hard it is to deal in a pool with a person who thinks they're drowning and you're trying to save them? You've got to be careful. They'll pull you down too. And so you guys that work with these people every day, it's real important. One thing, I have to watch my heart because if I experience enough of it in a day, I fight, start feeling myself suffocating. i got to go, nope, not going there. Up the other side, hey, I'm gonna, I got you from the backside. <laughs> got to do something different. You're not gonna, you know, don't let that thing choke me, right? That's why I can kind of step away from a situation and not always get entangled emotionally with the depravity or the difficulty of their situation. Can you imagine how many people I could personally deal with that way? Oh man, everybody thinks they're like I know, and I know most of you aren't that way, but well, I don't know. Anyway. They think that like I'm the answer. Like if I just pray for them, something's going to happen. I don't know where they got that theology or whatever, right? But I guess it's because of my position. There's something about that. But oh my gosh, there's a whole group of people and we're all armed and dangerous. And it's the Lord that's armed and dangerous, not people, right? Oh yeah, but you're, I don't know why we get that. But it's important for us right now. Even when the Lord, there are many problems, the Lord delivers us from all. We don't have a pain-free life, but we have a mighty deliverer. For though the righteous fall seven times, 77 times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble and calamity strikes. That's why 
in the current crises of our country, our nation, our neighborhoods. That's why we win. We don't give up. We don't give up. For though the righteous fall seven times, we might fall. We might have been attacked. We might have problems. We might be in the middle of it. But, but you know what? We rise again. Because we got resurrection power in us. But the wicked, they stumble. And they develop a whole attitude and a whole negativity and get into demonic stuff and bring mistruths and blame everybody and the whole thing. That's why when you're watching your news, getting so much out of it, be careful you don't get caught in their condemnation, get caught in their uh, scope and view of the world because we have our own worldview to look at. It includes truth but also mercy and justice and a God who cares really a lot about what's going on in your life and everybody's life. He's not up there like he proved it. You know how he proved it? He sent Jesus to die on a hideous cross. That's how he proved it. He had to have something to let everybody know, hey, I'm in there with you. By his stripes, I'm healed. I'm in there with you. That's why he had to rise from the dead. He had to prove that he was God. So by his stripes, we've been healed. But because he resurrected from the dead and proved that he could go past that. And if he can go past it and live again in his own life, he can make you live. And you can make your daughter live. And your husband live. And your son live. In every possible way. Wow. He delivers them from them all. All. I like the word all. How does that sound good? All. No, I'm the exception clause because it's been a long time. And I guess God just like gave up on me. You know, it's not all for me. But I'm sure glad it's... We even developed a theology. You know, I've learned to smile because I'm so happy for everybody else. But I guess I'm just always going to be like this. No, don't do that. Don't think like that. That creeps up on you. That might be a, like kind of a way you kind of cope, a coping mechanism. What a horrible coping mechanism. It leads you just down, down, down. I'm going up, up, up. Only because Jesus said I got to go up, up, and up. And I can go up, up, and up, right? These verses in Psalm 34, I mean, I highly recommend them. They're, they're amazing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That summarizes the whole thing, doesn't it? Let's all stand up. Lord, I want to ask you today that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. I could tell by people's faces some of them are really grabbing a hold of this. You know, and whatever you do, if I could have the um, worship team come up, whatever you do, look, just take one minute and 30 seconds. Take three minutes. Take whatever, just a tiny bit, or five minutes, or ten minutes, whatever. But just take a moment, whatever situation you're dealing with, and lift that thing up to God. And if I could have the ministry team come, because we're two or three gathered together, there I am in their midst. And so our ministry teams, like, make two or three, right? So if you guys come quickly up here, because we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to enforce this incredible psalm. Uh, and I love it so much. I love this whole taste and see the Lord is good psalm. 34, okay? So we're going to taste and see if the Lord is good today. Be it done to you according to your faith. All right? So you could pause here. Join that person next to you, especially that husband or wife. Just grab them by the hand and uh, just pray. Just take a moment. Golly, if it meant that we had to just like fast and pray for 30 days or 40 minutes or whatever it is. No, 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 no. I mean, that helps. Only so far as it helps you pray more and be encouraged and strengthened, right? But this is free. By the blood of Jesus Christ, these prayers are free. This access is free. 
And where two or three gather together in my name, there I am. So I need wisdom or counsel. I need some information. So these people will pray for you and others who come up will pray for you and they'll agree with you. Or you could just do it from your seat. Or grab your wife's hand, your husband's hand. Do it with them right now in this place. Just give two minutes to the Lord. Three minutes to the Lord. Just hold on to somebody, some way, and ask God to change your situation. Ask God to help you taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Amen.